Peace and blessings and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by HeritageHipHop.com, the 30 for 30 for independent artists and independent music. We are more than music. We highlight the best independent artists and industry veterans with the greatest podcast interviews they can get that shows the depth and helps tell their story rather than investing in their music only. So subscribe to HeritageHipHop.com and membership has its privileges to exclusive playlists, to merch, interviews, podcasts, and more. We are more than music. On today's episode of the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast, we talk to a New Jersey hip hop icon and legend. If you know the story of New Jersey hip hop, we're talking to one of the, if not the architect of Blueprint Radio, Asan the Golden Child. That's right. You're talking WRSU, Blueprint Radio, the home of breaking records with MCing and real bars. So what a lot of people think they do today, it started there. That's the longest running hip hop program in New Jersey. Shout out to Central Jersey. If you believe in a Central Jersey, then hey, there you go. Shout out to Central Jersey. But this is a very special interview with someone who holds the flag for representing hip-hop culture, the art of emceeing, take note of that, and New Jersey hip-hop culture. So without further ado, we bring you this great interview, and I'll be back with the rest of my commentary when the interview is finished. Peace and blessings, and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. We are the 30 for 30 for independent artists and independent music, meaning that we do not invest in people's songs we and playlists. We invest in the story behind the artists and why they made the songs or the history that they have. More importantly, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcast, make sure you give us a five-star rating. If you're watching this or catch this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and hit that algorithm because you need to see this and this needs to be documented for others to come behind us. Hit that like, subscribe, hit the all on the notification bell and pay attention because tonight the buffet table is set and all we ask that you do is you sit and build with us. We have someone on tonight that not only documented hip hop history by finding the new he gave the new a chance to be seasoned. And if you know anything, God said that we are the seasoning of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And when that salt goes sour, you throw it out and you trample under your feet. But these MCs he brought to the table never been trampled. They made the game better because they're your heroes. And we're going to talk about that today. Please introduce yourself to the people. Yo, peace, peace. What's up? I'm Asan, the golden child. Uh, that's it. Asan, the golden child, A-H-S-A-N. So it's not Hassan, it's Asan, like, ah, like a breath of fresh air. So, you know, <laughs> it's Asan, the golden child. Um, from New Jersey, uh, producer, DJ, uh, radio host, um, myself as well. I actually got the longest, I have the longest running hip hop radio show in Jersey, the Blueprint Radio. That's on 88.7 WRSU-FM. A little shameless plug there, but hey, <laughs> you know, what do you say? <laughs> For anybody who knows about 88.7 that was like those back channels that when you heard hip-hop you he was like oh we found something because it was not hot 97 or kiss fm bls or anything like that it was gritty yes it was like raw bars and a couple of songs 
<laughs> in the middle. It was bars. <laughs> so let's um catch people up who may not know your history. What part yeah. of Jersey are you from, though? All right, so um, I'm, I'm from um, the, the we call it Central Jersey, right? A lot of people don't call uh, you know, you get some brothers from the north that say South Jersey, nah, Trenton on down the south. We're we're Central Jersey, you know. Um, I'm from originally born, uh, well, originally um, raised in Plainfield, then made my way over to Franklin Township, which is Somerset, New Jersey, right next door to New Brunswick. So, Franklin, uh, you know, we and um. Around the time I came to Franklin, I'm not going to say I hands down did this, but as far as being able to romp and stuff like that, a lot of brothers who I grew up with, uh, they put Franklin on the map. They they made sure Franklin was known. And uh, to this day, a lot of people do know Franklin. Um, but the, 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 the cousin to Franklin is New Brunswick, you know what I'm saying? And New Brunswick is, is nowhere. Uh, the, the radio station is located, uh, 88.7. And with a lot of the artists that I locally uh, was working with, came from uh, New Brunswick, Franklin, Plainfield, Piscataway. We had some guys from South Brunswick. But on that tape, the artist was saying, we went all the way down to Woodbury, New Jersey, and got some MCs that's on there. Um, so it's, you know, we in the Central Jersey area, but, you know, I had a lot, you know, I got family and friends and stuff up in North Jersey as well. But, uh, but yeah, Central Jersey, that's that's where it's at, you know? But, you know, dirty Jersey. <laughs> I don't believe in Central Jersey. But huh? that's what's up. I don't believe it's Central Jersey. We could debate. We could debate all night. We could. Wait, that's right cool. now. It, insert the map right here, uh-huh. right, and then we right in that little <laughs> that piece right here. You the circle neck. it right there. That little neck part. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because South Jersey is Atlantic City. South yeah. Jersey is uh, uh 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 what's that? Long Beach Island. Mm-hmm. So technically, Trenton ain't really all that south when you look on on the map. Mm-hmm. You got Sickleville, Woodbury, Camden. That's getting South Jersey. That's a whole different vibe. Listen, we New York, I'm New York Giants, and a lot of my brothers are New York Giants. So that tells you where we fall on the, I guess you want to call our Mason Dixon line. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't sport, I don't sport like the that. birds. I, I don't sport the birds, the green birds on my <laughs> on my jersey. I got the blue guys, the blue guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that is how people determine what part of Jersey you're from. Are you an Eagles fan or Giants fan? Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. I know. And then you got people who like the Jets. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like they used to have that old commercial. Uh, they used to say pork, the other meat. I said the Jets, the other New York team. But yeah, nah, yeah. No, disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect from us because. Um... No, no disrespect from us. But listen, funny to say that my, my basketball team is the 76ers, though. That's interesting. Oddly That's interesting. Oddly enough. Oddly enough. That's interesting. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, hey, I don't. That's that's the thing. Like New Jersey has always been fighting for an identity when it comes to everything, because New Jersey is part of the Greater New York Metropolitan Area. So that's the Gulf, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. But just like Connecticut, it seems like New Jersey doesn't have the Jersey identity. It has the other side of New York identity. Yeah. As you, as you journey throughout hip-hop how did you see new jersey distinguish itself in different parts of the state itself if not from new york i mean i think honestly a lot of i you know if you go back to like the 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 uh now i follow i'm I, just like you said earlier when we building earlier hip-hop's my culture it's a whole culture music is part of any culture um so like when i first was exposed to hip hop. It was a new music. Obviously, 
you know, it felt New Yorkish, came from New Yorkish, but New York. But as uh, time went on and I moved to Franklin and I started meeting some of the MCs out there, peace to certain DJs like DJ Jaywalk, uh, peace to uh, Cash B, peace to uh, uh, um, Kevin Ewan, DJ Kevin Ewan, and a lot of these guys like that. Peace to, uh, but I'm about to go through a whole name, but I'm not going to do that. But uh, I feel that we had an identity. It just didn't get heard. Like, you know, what Naughty was doing, what Latifah was doing, they as uh, uh, was doing, that, that was their own thing, right? But you come a little further down, Plainfield had his kind of style. Brunswick had his thing. Franklin had his thing. Scattery guys had their thing. But a lot of the guys, all in Elizabeth and Linden and all these deep cuts of, uh, uh, and especially when the 90 Decca came, when the Golden Era came, you know, it, just like just like the radio itself, or the music was out there is very diverse, very diverse. And, and um, you have many different styles, many different ways of putting words, not only were the styles different, you had different ways of putting words together and different ways of rhyming mixed with the styles. And then you also had the cadence and how, how people delivered. So like you, like to me, um, like you, you could tell something that's New York and even New York had its own identity. You got the Queens bridge flow, you got the Brooklyn, you got, well, Brooklyn is a whole nother planet of its own, but it had, Brooklyn got many styles too, but you have like, you know somebody who had a, a certain type of swagger, but I felt Jersey had a lot to offer. And a lot of MCs, ironic, a lot of MCs are really from Jersey. You know, they may not say where they're from or 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 or, or try to get that light, but the piece to the ones that definitely shine the light, Naughty, Red, Latifah, you know, uh piece to my man do it all, uh, people's do it all, uh Lords Underground. Um, who else we got? Uh uh Poor Righteous Teachers, you know, YZ. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of MCs was out there, but like you said, it's like we was always was fighting. We was always was fighting, and I mean, honestly, Bismarck had some time in Jersey, uh, but you know, we you there's a lot of um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fighting for it, and even to this day now with hip hop, you like you like saying to yourself like, wow, you know, there's so much talent out in Jersey, we don't have a voice, and actually during that time, well, that's what I was trying to do with Righteous Mob. I was trying to give us a voice, like you know, it was all these good DJs and MCs and, and it's like it's like we weren't being heard a lot of times you know saying it's like you know we're getting drowned drowned by uh New York like you're saying I I feel this is one of the most not talked about parts of New Jersey hip-hop New York is deemed the birthplace of hip-hop correct yeah arguably you could say cool yeah. Herc some people say Grandmaster yeah. Flowers you know what I'm saying? People put the names in there. You smiling. Why? What happened? No, I'm just listening to what you're oh, saying. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you got, like I said, arguably Grandmaster Flowers is before Cool Herc. I mean, you know, they had the, the jams and everything of Cool Herc there. But New Jersey was always known as the place where people had club music and house music. Absolutely. Or the hip-hop. So, yep. when people talk about the identity of hip-hop, they'll always refer to the club part of New Jersey as New Jersey standard and not really give ear to the hip hop part of it because that was New York standard. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, most definitely we had we had club music, house music on rock, piece, you know, piece of Chicago, but Jersey hip hop. We know we still play. You still how many classic club songs are out? And you know, Jersey rock. And in New York, you know, the, all the clubs in New York uh, played a lot of that club music. That all, like you said, majority of that came from New Jersey. And then we had, like you said, the MC that had that type of stuff, like Twin Height. Uh, uh, who else was doing some stuff? I mean, what you call it? Uh, uh, 
what's it called? Oh, wow, I can't think of his name right now. He would used to um, teeter totter between club music and regular hip hop. But yeah, we started getting that like moncure that, okay, we do this, this, this hip house thing. But no, don't get it twisted. Them dudes who are doing hip house can, can like, you know, really, really flow. And, um, and honestly, that house music, like I was had this conversation recently. When you look at club music and, 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 the, and the, um, the growth of hip hop music and how it went from like the early 70s and then through the disc, like it cut through the coming through the disco era and then you're getting up into the 80s. Um, and disco had a natural progression to club. So you take any of your disco records, like I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, or any records like that, and you, you could play that to like deep, deep inside. You know, you could get them beats to match because you could see the progression over time how it was coming to club music and how Jer New Jerseyans were making this new form of disco called club. At the same time, I feel, I feel like you said the salt and the spice from that was from the hip hop because, you know, you had your, because a lot of your early hip hop was using disco breaks. That's why like a lot of the original break records were super disco breaks. You know, you find that break in the disco records, but like, you know, your James Brown records and the other ones, they have that more of that dry, gritty, you know, that soul oomph to it. But then you had a lot of disco breaks. So, so, so a lot of the um, hip hop at that time had like a disco, not, I don't want to say disco feel because disco was some stuff that was like commercialized, manufactured type stuff, but it had that dance feel. So honestly, if you look at the original hip hop, like you, the MC at a party, like Coca La Rock, you know, he, he'd get on the mic right next to the DJ, Herc or whoever, and would, would start spitting rhymes and, and rapping. They didn't go back before that. So a lot of cats who was bebopping and scat, and they would kind of do a rap. Even some of these um, R&B singers would do a little something, but when it came to like true rap and, 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 and you rock it and you bring the record back and forth, it usually was a disco record, you know, good times, right? It's like one of the, hands down, one of the uh, most used uh, disco break ever at, in that era. So, so when you say like hip hop in Jersey, it's like, to me, it's, it's, all, it's all there. I mean, the, the, the borders was just not, we was only separated by a tunnel and a bridge. And yeah, of course, everybody went to the city to hang out, but, uh, I think a lot of culture, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, energy came from New Jersey. And, and the crazy thing about it is that, like, a deep club head will also love hip-hop. Like, look at the Jungle Brothers. Look at Tribe Called Quest. Look at the native, that whole native tongue scene. You, you go to any club, you will, you will catch one of them guys there. Absolutely. Because music is a language that is felt, understood, and loved without even saying a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very spiritual, it's a spiritual union between your soul and the ether. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean. Are we going that deep, huh? <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, let's just be real. Um, I, I believe this. You tell me if you, if you agree. Hip hop is the only genre of music that's alive, not a style. What do you think? Mm. So you say it has, it has, it has its own breath. It has its own uh, makeup, like it's its own anatomy. Well, let's go. Let's go through it. What is jazz? Jazz is uh, it's, it's a, a different way of playing instruments, you know, with soul and rhythm. The original definition of jazz was sex, not music. So people okay. called it jazz because of how people moved their hips when they danced. Okay. So jazz can be a part of hip hop, but jazz is not alive. It's just a style. Okay. See, when we think about hip hop, we think about the clothes, the language. Yeah. Um, and how it grew art. into art, and how art. it grew into other things. That's not R and B, because no. think about it. R and B is an exclusive group of people who can sing, even though everybody nowadays wants to be R and B singers and they're not. Only certain people can actually sing, so that makes it exclusive. 
Rock yeah. and roll was how you move your body. It wasn't a music style. It was just called rock. So then you had soft rock. You had you know all the other rock, stuff. But but rock, but it was but it was rock. just it was just how you did this. It was just how you moved your body. Yeah. But if you ask somebody what is hip hop, not only does the answer vary, but depending on what part of the world you're in, there's a different um there's a different inspiration given to it. What do you say? Or interpretation. Or interpretation. Or or, or, or yeah, 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 I, get, I can get with that. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole culture. Music is one aspect of hip hop. And it's, and that's why it's always evolving. And every now and then as it evolves, sometimes you gotta figure it like, like a child or a child becomes an adult. Sometimes it needs some rearing and some redirection and some pivoting every now and then. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's why the art of emceeing is something that's very pivotal for today's times. Because as we see, Hip hop is very cyclical. It'll, yep. it'll be it'll be a party, then it'll be street, then it'll be lyrical, yep. then it'll be some yep. bullshit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. it goes around. And the art of emceeing, you have brought back out to show what exactly. So it was it was a um like 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 I said it was a uh it was was something that we did and you know and it, like you said hold on a second I have some technical issues here I gotta uh. Load this uh always forget with this uh these iPhones, man. I gotta charge these things up, you know. But mm. um, yeah, so we we brought it back out to to um to show what we did, like like you said, to define a period in time that you know, and I'm listening to it. So maybe two or three years ago, I'm working with these artists called the Weirdos from um OKC is uh from Oklahoma. Um, and they were out here, and then um we like I said, um I'm producing some music for them. Um, also helping them with some management stuff and that type of things. And then I'm showing them old stuff that we did and I'm listening to them. I'm like, you know, in a few years, this is going to be the 25th anniversary of this. So I said, let me get my act together, get this tape cleaned up and re-release it. Because I know we sold, we sold a gang of units, but not everybody got the tape. And now with the, you know, the platform that it is now. And, and one thing I, a lot of, like, I hear a lot of times with a lot of uh, people from, you know, the 90 Decca era, even the 80s, even like uh, the mid 90s and stuff like that. You know, you always get that, well, damn, we had social media like that back then, we would have killed the game because of how we did it with the flyers and passing around. So I'm saying, well, the only time something is final is when you're looking at the other side of the daisies or at the ceiling in the uh, chapter. So I'm saying, let me stop being one of those that say, wow, we had that back then. We could do that if we look at the whole idea of the internet it's, it's bringing concepts and things to you at your fingertips you know past present future why not do that with our music you know what i'm saying music is timeless like you said hip-hop is is, is something is, is a living organism this is something we did and when you listen to that tape from beginning to end if you rock your head is rock i mean you're going to have your preferences and things you like but at the end of the day you know what we did back then as kids it, it, you can hear it. It's like, wow, you know, this, this and, and some of the guys on that tape went on to do things, you know? And so I'm saying, why not put that? Well, who said we can't put that? There's no rules to the internet. There was no rules to when Google started. There was no rules for Facebook. There was no rules for MySpace. Someone had an idea, use the internet as a tool to get that idea out there. So I'm saying, instead of keep saying, oh man, it would have been hot if we had that back then. Oh, it would have been hot if we had that back then. I'm like, well, we got it now. And I got the tape. Why not just go ahead, get it out there, and still push it like how I would have pushed it back then? If, if anything, my circle of people have, has grown. Because back then, 
I'll go to the malls, the parks. I may not know the people. I mean, the old school networking and I'm passing out flyers and trying to sell tapes, right? Now I could, you know, I said, okay, take the internet and I could go to, you know, me and you link up, but you got like 800 people that you know over here. Like, yo, let your 800 people know about it. Let your 200 people, your 300, your 4,000. And now it, it, it's going to have more wings and legs than it did back then. And anybody, like you said, who's a pure, purist or a realist and who, who loves the culture, fans or people, artists or people involved in music, will listen to that and appreciate it for what it is. You know? So why, why not? Why, why not put it back out? Like, what's stopping it? What rule? What rule? It's the World Wide Web. It's open. It's an open, it's an open field to do whatever you want. And listen, if you don't want to listen to it, all you gotta do is click away. <laughs> but but see that that's that's the that's the magic of the internet and why I think yeah. hip hip hop has grown and hip hop has been stymied by the internet at the same time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think I think the thing that hurts hip hop with the internet is that since it's so free, anybody can do anything and call it hip hop. Yeah. But the blessing of it is is when it's really dope, people are quick to hit that share button. And, 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 and talk about what it is that they like about a project or something like that. Yeah. Wanna, uh, but, but let's go into some MC talk. This is Hikareva Heritage Hip Hop with Asan the Golden Child on Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. Make sure you're hitting that like button, you're subscribing, because guess what? Now we about to go up. Let me ask you this question. When was the first year you started with, with, with hip hop to really know it, appreciate it, understand it? Now we're giving out my age, right? <laughs> uh, before I heard Rapper's Delight, I loved it. But then um, after Rapper's Delight, I think I think when I really got appreciation of the whole idea is a record by Spoonie G. He said, one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, y'all, let's rock that. Get shit, y'all. That and Teal the Rock. Those are like some records that, I, you know, and the way, you know, and it, it had like, what, five verses, uh, 20 bar verses. It's like, you know, the whole different thing. You know what really made me say I want to do, what was the inspiration to make me do some of the things I did? Pumpkin. I don't know if you know Pumpkin. Pumpkin, and he had a record called Pumpkin on All Stars. It had everybody that was on, on profile records at the time. Dr. Duck with Mr. High, uh, Glow, uh, Mr. Galaxy. It had a bunch of people on there, you know, the Fresh MCs. So, you know, stuff like that. Those collabs back then, like, man, they would really, you know, it, it, and it's the drums and the and how it sounded, you know, made me want to run and buy a drum machine, which I, you know, asked my asked my grandfather and my mother if I need I need a drum machine. I said it could be a Lin drum, or I don't care what it is, a Roland, you know, a TR eight hundred eight. I don't care. Let's get something. <laughs> you know, I want I want a, I want a beatbox. I want a drum machine. You know, so so like I think that right there let me know that okay, I'm gonna do something with this music. And I was already getting into DJing at the time. So, you know, it was just like a natural progression at that point. And then, then I started buying my break records, the Octopus break records, the Super Disco breaks before the uh, Ultimate Beats and Breaks. You know, I was getting those records. And um, and as I'm in school and I started getting to high school and in junior high, I started meeting different people around the neighborhood. And it started from there making tapes and just doing just doing it. You know what I'm saying? Not, you know, and all, all I kept saying is I want to put out a record. I want to put out a record. I mean, it goes early as like seventh grade. I remember uh, calling Rainbow Records or one of them places in Jersey as a kid, asking how much the vinyl costs. And I, I remember it too, cause it was like seventh, I had to be like seventh grade or sixth grade, it's like the eighties. And um, teachers asked me, what you, what you working on? And you know, you're doing the thing. I said, no, I'm trying to 
get a record. I figured this, you know, this Christmas, this holiday, I asked for some money. I could press up a record of me and my boys. I said, only, you know, only costs like 98 cents to press up some wax. I figured if I press up a thousand of them, and I said, when I, I, when I go to Crazy Eddie's or stores like that, singles cost $1.99 to like uh, $2.49. I figured, you know, I could we could sell them for like $2 and we make, you know, we flipping our money almost two, three times. You know, that's how my mind state was thinking, even at that age, you know. And I, you know, uh, I was like, we got to do this, you know. And I used to call them every day, ask them questions. You have to get your lacquer. Where do I get lacquer from? You got to find a master in the house. What's a master in the house? So I'm in the telephone book. Every time I say a different category. So the telephone book, for those who don't know, is a big, wide book of numbers. And I'm looking through, and I remember uh, calling this place called Spiden out in uh, Scotch Plains. And this guy had an old master labs. Uh, truth be told, a lot of the club labels from New York used to go to him to get masters. And, you know, we wanted to press up some lacquers. I think my first record, my first dub play I cut, I might have been like 14, 15, and we did it there. Um, cause we wanted to get that record pressed. We made a seven inch of one of our demos and we wanted to uh, get that pressed. So, you know, yeah, that's, that, that's, you know. Shout out to anybody who remembers Crazy Eddie, whose prices, <laughs> whose prices were insane. <laughs> Just to bring it back. I asked you that question and that was a dope story cause that shows from from even even young at that age you had the the mind of a creator and a hustler at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the American spirit, and that's why I say hip hop is more deeper than just our music because, or being yeah. our music is because it actually encapsulates the spirit of making it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and through your experience of seeing, yeah, you said Teela Rock. You're talking about it's yours, right? Yeah, so yeah. What we're talking about we're talking about um the infant stages of hip hop being showcased to, I don't even want to take it to now. Let's take hip hop from that era to 89. How did you see the growth of words and the display of MC marksmanship from that point? I'm going to say three, three names of three words Four. let's just say, let's just go four. Karis one, rock him. Kane and G-Rap. I mean, and let's just throw honorable mention Master Ace when he was on the symphony. So the wordplay at that moment, and, and all five of these guys I just mentioned all had different styles. Didn't sound like the next. And at the same time, had styles with the side their style, like different, you know, Kane had the offbeat, onbeat, but, but a lot of metaphors. You know, Master Ace had his Master, Master Ace had his whole gift of gas. G-Rap. I, 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 there's nothing else I could say about G-Rap. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's where it is at. And then Karis One, just that first album, the way the drums, the, simp the simplified keyboard uh, arrangement, and uh, the scratches, the, that, you know, the, just the basic loud scratches, not, not and I'm gonna say basic scratches. I'm not saying it to you know, you know, to say oh you know uh, Scott LaRock can't DJ. I'm just saying those scratches match that, and, it, and, it, and the beats complement the artist. The artist complement the beat, but you could you could take one or the other by itself or individual you know individually or combined. And I said around that time '89, and then that started giving the birth to a lot of other MCs that started coming out. You know, Super Lover C and Casanova Rudd sound nothing like anything up in New York. You got, uh, you know, you got, uh, uh, 
who else? Uh, let's start naming some names here. I love I love uh, Super Lover C and Casanova Rudd. I love um 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 Cool Chip. What's this Cool Chip? Uh, uh um um what you call this uh, DJ? Uh, I mean, chill out. Chuck Chillout's MC, yes. Yeah. Uh, who, who, uh, my boy Hilltop. Ooh, ooh. Um, oh, you talk about my man went to jail. Steady B. Steady B. Yeah. Ooh, his wordplay game and his styles and delivery and that album that Karis One produced for him. Let the hustlers play. Yeah. That's Cool C and Steady B. That was the Philly Cats, right? That was the Philly Cat, Hilltop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love, you know, I mean, um, um who else? That 88, 89, like, yeah, it was an emergence of a lot of, that's what you see, that's like, you know what 88 and 89 feel like your favorite team, you know, they down in the cut and they get to that 50-yard line and that say you see you get ready to break through and, and then it hip-hop broke through, the 90s came in, it was all over there, it was all over, because then it just, it it just multiplied like gremlins, like, you know that scene in the gremlins when there'd be more and more kept coming out the toy store, it was like 87, 88, 89, 99, it's like, oh, like, we are here forever. Hip hop is here forever, ever and ever. That's my KS1 cool. You know, he, so it's like, yo, it, once that happened and exploded, it was like, it, it was it, it was hip hop. It's like, yo, we breaking out the door. This is what it is, and it's too bad that it it's too bad the old guards, the R and B cats, the jazz cats, and, and and our parents, like even me, asking for like, yo, you getting me all types of GI Joe toys and. You know, in television and Atari, you know, Nintendo joints and this and that. But I all I asked for was like, yo, give me like a that stuff equaled up probably more than a thousand dollars. Give me a thousand dollars, I can press a record. Oh, you know, you can't okay. I was too young to sign an artist, I was too young to sign a contract, but let's just get the record out. Let's just get the record. You do it, you you put in your name, you know, whatever. I just want to get the record out. I want to get the record out. I I, I my, my birthday falls in November. <laughs> I forfeit my birthday and Christmas stuff. Just give me some money so I can press a record. And I wish, you know, and now you're looking back and all this money other people's making. And, and I don't feel bad for any old guard. Oh, a lot of money in this and that. Oh, I said, listen, I said, I, I said something. I said something back then. You know what I'm saying? I had friends that were in punk rock music at the time. Because Franklin at that time had a nice balance of the world, very diverse at the time. And I had a lot of friends that went to punk rock music and they would put, you know, they was getting ready to press up seven inches because punk rock in that era, seven inches were popular. And um, and I'm like, and they had like a nice punk rock in them age, that era had a nice, nice niche and support system. And I'm like, which was the same as hip hop. But it was the same as hip hop. And it's like, yo, let's get in where we fit in now. I mean, you they sound they sound a lot of records. They sound a lot of records. Cause the only way you could get the music. Is go to go to your favorite record shop and get the music, and it's like you know, you know, I don't care about anyone sitting sad, you know, who was an old guard at that time, you know, wishing they could have cashed in on that. Well, you had the chance, you had the chance, and then the, and those who decided to do it try to rob young artists coming up, trying to do stuff. Like y'all know what happened to y'all, and y'all know what, what it was like. You know, it didn't have to go down that way. So why not change it? It's time to make a change. Stop giving me songs about making a change and not doing it. Everything sounds good on the outside, but you know, when you signed all these artists and, and some of these guys started these labels, you know, let's let's go in there. Or, you know, if you if, once you get into management, once you get into uh executive producing, you know, the overall project, you know, the, not only how it artistically sounds and, and what's gonna happen, what was the business plan on this? You know, 
do we need to go on label? Do we do we need to do it independently? With this record, you know, this artist probably needs more power of a of a label. And let's stop getting signed and signing contracts that are employee type contracts. Sign partnerships. Let's sign partnerships. You know. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the mind state that pushed the game into the '90s. But I don't want to go there yet. Okay. I have a special part of the interview for that. Okay. The 90s is when you transition more so into the radio aspect of it, right? Okay. Yeah. Who, me, myself, personally? You, you. The 90s. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got out to the radio station uh, maybe early 95. Okay. So then I'm going to take this conversation from 89 to 94. Okay. Because we're going to break this down because I don't think people really understood hip hop has different phases. Mm-hmm. Like when you said Kane, G-Rap, KRS-One, before them, right, there was Melly Mel, mm-hmm. Cass, Kumo D, you know what I'm saying, Busy B, and those was different styles too, and they were gritty, you know what I'm saying? If Kumo D, if Kumo D didn't do what he did to Busy B at that party, who knows what would have happened to hip hop, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I talked, I talked to Busy about Busy has a good, good piece of Busy B. We we rapping about that one day, and he has a good spirit on that. He still feel he got him though. <laughs> but, but 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 you know what? No matter if anybody thinks he won a loss, he was there. And yeah, that, and and that, and that's the part. That's the part that everybody facts you, you can't facts. put it put facts. him down. He was there. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Facts. facts. And, and um, when we look at hip hop from '89 to '94. That's what people call the golden era starting. Because uh-huh. if not for 91, uh-huh. I think that's when that's when money start coming into hip hop on a higher level. Yes, absolutely. 91 was the birth of Nas, right? And Lord Finesse. Um, in that I era, you, right? heard, you heard of Nas, Nas album didn't come out yet. Right, right. Nas was on Nas was on the uh on, on the barbecue. I think, right. I think, I think Breaking Adams might have dropped. 1991, you're right. And like I said, that was that in-between era with Lord Finesse. Lord Finesse. One of the hottest guys in the game, right? And I asked people this question from Jersey. Shout out to Essex County, because y'all already know. We we, we knew how Essex County get down. But you said Central Jersey. Real quick, I was born at Orange Memorial Hospital, the two years in East Orange. (laughs) Orange Memorial, me too. (laughs) <laughs> okay, all right. So that it didn't deal with the kindred spirits right there. Yeah, yeah. So, it ain't there no more. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was born there too. From East Orange and North. Go ahead. So Central Jersey, when hip hop started to take shape in the 90s, early 90s. Now we're talking about 89, like 90, 91-ish. That's when it seemed like New Jersey style, because the money was getting to it, people came to New Jersey to cherry pick. Yeah. How did you see Jersey and your state, your part of Jersey, how did you see Jersey elevate from hip-hop being, that's dope music, to I can do that, to now we are doing it and we're going to make our name in it? I don't think there's that. I mean, there was a lot of jokers who had their own crews or started to do their own thing independently, but I don't think it was that rampant because a lot of artists, I mean, tended to gravitate to me, so they came to Righteous Mob. And I know um, EO, you know, you had uh, what you call Latifah's, you have Flavor Unit, 
Um, and you had other crews and stuff like that. But I mean, I think you, you've seen certain people trying to do their independent thing or whatever. But then you also see a lot of artists trying to go to the labels because, like, you know, they were coming to cherry pick and, you know, they flashing the money in front of you and stuff like that. But I think when it came to producing and making your own music, Jersey definitely was self-sufficient. Like, you you know, G-Rock, CND Coalition. I know them. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with them. One of the first pressed up Jersey albums straight out of Jersey, which is considered an underground classic, G-Rock, I, I think, and CND Coalition. I I you got the cover? On me right now, no. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't have the vinyl. Definitely say that to me. I, I, I think I, I think if I see the cover, I may know what you're talking about. Because I because I, I would go to, uh, you know, in Plainfield, I would go to, uh, you know, uh, the record shop in Plainfield. I would go up to Elizabeth, to the record shop up there. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, and I always go to Mr. Walt in uh, Manhattan. So those records, you know, I, I always try to get the most obscure hip hop record just so I can see what other people are doing. I'm like, yo, I can do this. We can do this. Okay, shout, out look. To D. shout out to Schooly D who wrote his whole album thing in pencil, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm 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 looking for it right now. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna find it because I want to. I actually do want to show this to you since you said that. Um, but back to uh that time where, where the cherry picking was going on in in, in hip hop in Jersey, people will focus on. People will focus on Redman, Latifah, Lakim Shabazz. No disrespect to them because they deserve that. But then the movement of hip hop in Jersey and other territories was just as big. Absolutely. Like, like we said, Signs of Life was yep. one of the one of the crews that I was, I don't know when the, I don't know what age I was when I first heard Signs of Life, but I know this. My cousins are from Plainfield. And okay. when people and when people from New York came to Jersey, it seemed like they didn't rest in Essex County. A lot of them went to Plainfield. They yeah. got raised in Newark, but they rested in Plainfield. And it was yeah. a lot it was a lot of diversity when it comes to the mixing the styles and what yeah. we learned about North was North was bar heavy, edgy lyrics. Well, Plainfield was more stylized bar delivery. Yeah. Yes. Tell, tell me, tell me, how could you differentiate the different styles and patterns in New Jersey and know where they put MCs came from? The same way you're saying, and it's it's crazy that you say that because we linked up with another uh, crew called the uh, Ron Family Cartel, and and together, you know, we were trying to do a union between Righteous Mom and Ron Family Cartel prior to Wu Tang. Uh, coming out and stuff like that, and um, we uh, you know, it's uh, like you, we felt our styles matched with them more as, less than like some of the stuff from North Jersey. Even though I, I worked with people from North Jersey before, but yeah, like when you get to Plainfield, you get the and all the little flippers and and, and is right next to Plainfield, and right in, in between that and Franklin, right. So, and you can see it like you know moving over. Then you like you know you got that the, we used to call the tribal style. So you know, Plainfield, Piscataway, Franklin got more of the tribal, you know, tribal style. New Brunswick had more of an edgier, just like a like a North or Essex County, but people in New Brunswick also had style. That was good about New Brunswick. Because a lot of the artists I worked with from New Brunswick, like Peach the Kedar and Jow from High Noon, they had the flow of a native tongue artist, but the edginess lyrics of someone from North Jersey or Brooklyn. Which was dope. Which was dope. It was. It was like you. You it like, man. Just listening to some of that stuff, man. Just you know, it's like, yo, we we was on to something. We was on to something. New Jersey is one of the progressions of hip hop that people don't talk yeah. about enough. That's why 
me having this interview with you was just so dope. Like I look forward to this highly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 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 like take the flowers. Cause like, thank you. I, I appreciate I'm really, it. I'm really into hip hop. Like, as you could tell in my conversation, I'm, I, I really get deep into it. And the thing is, I don't think people in New Jersey know our history or we don't tell our story because everybody focuses on across the water that they forget that we have just as much stake in the no, fabric. No, we tell, we tell to each other. Well. We tell to each other like two drunks in a corner. Talking, like, we tell it to each other like, I know this, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, we got to get out there. We got to get out there like everybody else. Nobody knew about it. I mean, not to say you didn't know about a Long Beach. Uh, you, we all knew about Compton, but let's say you didn't really know too much about a Long Beach to Snoop put it on the map. You know what I'm saying? I mean, damn, they La Soul put Amityville on the map. Besides the movie, they La Soul put Amityville on the map. You know what I'm saying? I got something yeah. for you. Hold up. How'd I look? That's straight out of Jersey by G Rock yeah. and the C and D Coalition. I remember. Okay, I think I remember this. I'm remember trying to this? zoom in. <laughs> I think I saw. I know. I think I saw this at one of the record shots back in the day. Yes. So that yes, was one yes. of the first press independent releases from Essex County. G Rock okay. and the C and D Coalition. Shout out to G Rock. Um, and that goes back to the art of MCing for me because New Jersey had its sound; it was pressing up things. And I need you to put—I need you to put your cape on and be Superman right now, because as you transition to the radio side of it, your movement helped birth the podcast and the breaking of hip hop media. Yeah. Shout out to Ralph McDaniels. He's the god of hip hop. I don't care what anybody say. MC who you want. Ralph is the king. The god. Yes, he is. All right. And from Ralph McDaniels, we got Video Music Box. Then came Pump It Up. Came Rap yeah. City. You on TV rap? You on TV. And, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it was the, the, the cousin, not the brother or sister. It was the cousin of BLS, Kiss, and all that because... One gave you the audio, and one gave you the visual, but both gave you the culture. Yes. But the podcast gave gave you, or gives you, the insight, the story, and the pulse of the artist that is performing, not just trying to sell a vibe or a record. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to put on the cape. So, you said put on the cape. So, I mean, a lot of artists that came our way, I mean, during, like, the mid-'90s and that stuff, like, that piece, the smoother hustler of... Trick of the Gambler. I even had, I interviewed Shine. I mean, I interviewed, uh, the list goes on, bro. And the one thing all the artists, independent or from any major label at that time, they said about the blueprint, it felt like a conversation in someone's basement. Like, cause what happened is, like I wasn't a, 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 a interviewer by trade. So, you know, it just came naturally. I love hip hop. So, you know, we didn't do the 20 minute breaks. Oh, but a 10 minute interview, Stop at a question, then intrigues them. Go to a break, come back. So you know, we we just let the mics open and we just kick it. Just brothers just kicking it. And a lot of the artists that came always said, "Yo, man, this interview was dope. like I wasn't even interviewing. I was just talking." And then we started talking about all types of stuff, movies and stuff. So now, a lot of um, people that listened to the Blueprint back then used to say, "Yo, I see a whole other side of the artist that I never even saw. Like they like the same movies I like. They like the same, you know." And and people got a kick out of that. I mean, it was it, it was good. I mean. Peace to uh, LA Leakers, but we were the first ones to do the freestyles like that. Crazy on the blueprint. That it was known for us to have the freestyle set. I remember Shine came and I did something where I had, 
I for somehow I got the callers to rhyme. They had and I always tell them you gotta have the radio in another room, but make sure you hear it so you can stay on beat. They used to call and do the freestyle. Sometimes we we would go past our time like 45 minutes, just people on the phone freestyling. That's how that's how Cy Marshall Law got discovered. Is on the blueprint radio calling on the phone. I remember one time him and this kid, uh self self one, we call him self uno now, self uno, Cy Marshall Law. And um, oh, who was off on uh who's that uh, sidebar man? You watching this man type down there? Who's the other dude that one night when one of y'all was on punishment? And I just yo, I gotta find this tape. They kind of on the phone. You hear like, yo, this is so so no more punishment, man. But you know, I couldn't miss, you know, rocking on the blueprint. Dave Ron ill in the whisper, I wanna get caught by mom, you know, like style. And it was like hot, like yo, you know. So and then you know, I remember Shine was there. And he came on, piece of shine. He did some okay stuff. You know, I could tell it was kind of like stuff that was written. Them jokers from Brunswick and Franklin. Plainfield got on that phone, started rhyming. We wanted to rhyme with him. He came back to me, tapped me on the shoulder. I saw yo, let me get back on that mic. And I saw a sign of shine, like, yo, shine got lyrics. Because he was like, when he heard them dudes, he was like, yeah, you can't. Thomas said, listen, you can't come to Blueprint with some okie doke. You got to come, you got to come for real. Piece of Wordsworth. One time, Wordsworth came down, and he and he he'll definitely testify this. He rocked so nicely that dudes met him in the parking lot to buy the current EP that he had. He said, "Yo, I got to tell jokers to come out to the Blueprint. Like, yo, you not only you get the dope interview, you know, what I'm saying we rhyming, and I go outside and sell stuff out the trunk, you know. So that you know, and, and the conversations were just conversations like we haven't, and then and, and you know." And I'm looking at the time, like, yo, we was just interviewing for 45 minutes straight, no music. Except for the instrumental in the background, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I always say Ralph McDaniels and Doggy Diamonds are the people who inspire my style. Okay. When I think back and go to how I listen to hip hop, 88.7, I remember, like I said, this is me in like high school, like going into high school, 88.7 was that sleeper that you found that when you yeah. found the when you found the 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 net the um the, the the frequency you did the damnedest you could to keep it there because that was defeating us. Um that, that, yo, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you because when I finally realized who, who this interview was, I was like, oh, I gotta have this conversation. <laughs> shout out, shout out to one of my best friends in life, my man. He goes by simply put, all right. Okay. Me and him, me and him are hip hop twins. We would battle over who had the newest the song dubbed from the radio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is my guy. So this goes yeah. out to you, Simp, right? So 88.7 was the um, it was our stretch and Bobito. So anybody who knows what stretch and Bobito means to hip hop, this glam right here, it was for us. Because when we found that station, it was like Man, people put y'all station on during dates. Think about yeah. that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? People put y'all station on to turn the TV off. Because remember, we had to find that frequency in Essex County. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it dipped low in Exit. There's some parts of North would catch that. I, I got that a lot. That It had to be a certain part of Orange that you could get it because the way the, uh, the uh, antenna was. <laughs> it was all about it was all about the um the 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 foil on the joint. And then, and then look, 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 you had to squeeze and bend the, the middle end to catch the, I'm telling you, like, this was me. Shout out to my cousin, um, Hustle Black. 
yeah. you. This, these are the names. I'm telling you, people who listen to the station who got excited. Like we was like, oh shit, we got it. Yeah, we heard yeah. the music. I want to yeah. ask you. I want to ask you. Um, as a creative, a creator myself, I find joy in breaking artists because yeah. because seeing the enthusiasm before the industry bullshit makes hip hop come alive. Thank you. <laughs> who who are some of the greats that came that elevated you to continue and not just get bogged down with whatever when it comes? I'm gonna to go right. I'm gonna go right here. Peace, my brother Ocean and OT when they started making records. This is when uh, you know Gene Gray was known as What What, and mm. Pumpkinhead just started. Mm. We were part of the thing called the New York Radio Coalition. Peace to G Man, rest in heaven. Mecca started a thing called the New York Radio Coalition. I was the only show that from that represented Jersey. Red Alert was part of that. Uh, awesome Two was part of that. Mr. C was there. Uh, a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the underground hip hop radios in New York was there, but we the only Jersey radio station there, uh, part of New York Radio Coalition. And OT had a, a show with somebody else on, on some other small college station. I forgot what part of it might have been in Brooklyn somewhere. This like how we kicking it. He felt we was kindred spirits, but we were always oh peace to Evil D. We was like sometimes at the meet you know, me Evil D like them two kids in the back of the classroom that can never shut up while the, while the people are talking. That was me and Evil D, man. You know he, Evil D never met him. He's a he's 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 a he's a jokester, man. But um, OT and I found that like, little kindred spirit. And then he said, um, hey, I'm, I got this label called Making Records, me and my partner, Ocean. We got a group called Natural Resources. It's him and this girl named What What. Could we come on down? And then at the last one, he calls me, or he, 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 he uh, paged me on my uh, alphanumeric pager <laughs> and said, hey, we got this dude named Pumpkinhead. His, uh, his grandmother is out in Jersey, too. He's another artist we work on. We want to bring him all through. To the Could he come along to the station, too? And their first single, the baseball record, uh, I think when I played it, they just pre- they just got him back from the factory. When he he bought a uh, 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 he bought a uh, made a test press to one of our meetings, but he wouldn't let nobody have it. But I think about everything sequenced. He had just got the records back when he came to the blueprint, and we let them rock for two hours straight. Wow, that's Jean Grey when she was what what Ocean Natural Resources making records and. So you know where Jean Grey is at now. But her first radio interview, her first written Pumpkin, they'll tell you their first radio interview was at the Blueprint Radio. Rest in peace to Pumpkinhead. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I'll give you another gem. Pumpkinhead co several years after that, Pumpkinhead co-hosted the Blueprint for about a year and a half. Wow. So when artists would come on a rhyme, he would rhyme with him. That's and dope. he and I would he and I would he'll he'll help me co-host the uh, Blueprint. So there, there, there's something right there. Things come full circle. Shout out to Six Man Entertainment, his squad <laughs> that still holds him out. That's what's up. That's dope. Yeah. See, that's um, what the, those are the things that make me excited to hear. Um, you about to say something else? Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, I mean, like Science <laughs> of Life. Definitely Science of Life. Um, that's when we started working together when Bobito pressed the uh, non-Ether record. And we started working together, um, you know, as a management artist type situation. Uh, who else did, uh, who, who merged to be somebody that this, it's so many, man. It's like, and, and sometimes I forget, oh, Killer Army. Mrs. Brothers, I guess they were just trying to do the same thing that Wu-Tang did, and Don Palatino, all those guys kept coming to the blueprint. The whole, individually, and one time as a whole Killer Army, you know? 
They used to come all the time. Riz's brother sound just like Riz on the phone sometimes. You know, he's like, yo, yo, come come through, come through, you know. And they they, they come through till the army. Um, he has a new artist. He, they, they had the cassette because they had it pressed up. But you know, we give love to you know Killer Army, you know. So I mean, I remember them coming through. I'm trying to think somebody. Okay, Natural Resources was a gym because that one was definitely like when they was just getting started. I'm trying to think somebody else. Uh, um, I was working with Black Mel. Y'all know my superstition. Uh, early in his career, I'm, I'm the you know I'm one of the people that got him up in this area like in '91, '92. And then when I got the radio show and then we was working, he got a deal with uh, David DMX. I started a record label with my man, Woody, piece of Woody Connor. Uh, and we had, we, we, we had a single on this uh, compilation album they did. When he came up, you know, of course, I had him come to the radio show. So that was before anyone really knew who a black male or superstition, because, you know, he, or he sometimes he goes by Cam Moy, you know what I'm saying? But uh, that's my people's right there. I produced his first demo back in 1991. Um, the demo that uh, got him noticed by a lot of people. <laughs> I produced that, yeah. Hey, that's fact. That's history right there. <laughs> the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast, always bring out a real. Make sure y'all hit that like button. We got to hit that algorithm. Make sure you share this, because this is history right here. And if you're yeah. streaming this, you're welcome. Make sure you give us five stars, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Before we close out the interview, this was a great interview. I mean, we we we, we really touched on a lot of things, but I, it, would be, it would be really sad if I didn't bring us up to speed. So I want to go over some a couple more things before we leave. Now we talked up to about 94. Yeah. 94 to 97 is when the shiny suit era came in. <laughs> Hip hop started to change because yeah, that yeah. was that was the big burst of I think that's when hip hop hit its its most greedy period. It, I think it was when it was most greedy cuz it was nothing but fat with money and um it got weird, you know what I'm saying? Because hip hop went through a real deep cleansing from '97 to 2002. Because that's yeah. the DMX cannabis cash yeah. money era. Well, cannabis came out in '95 with that that first uh that uh that sampler tape before he put out the album. Mm -hmm. You know, he was on Bad Records even when he was just a street team dude. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, that '97 tonight, that 2000. So, we, we, what's your question? What, what what do you want to know about the shiny shoot era? I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of things to say about shiny suits. No, nah, just say it. Go ahead, say it. Are, are you, asking, how, you ask me, do I like shiny suits or didn't like? No, I really want to know about that era because that's when sonically the beats changed, yeah, and the definition of an MC changed. All right, so I got it. So I know my boy Peace of Fowler at Rockefeller. Should I now? Should I tell? Should I tell the the bad boy lock story or should I tell the? Uh, Tell the, uh, you know, the whole uh, 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 Philly crew. Both. Okay. <laughs> so I, back in the day, well, even to this day, and not as much as no more, you have somebody that was a the record promoter at a label. I was an A-list DJ. So I'm reporting to Gavin, CMJ, uh, Urban Network, uh, uh, Impact, whatever the trade was, the big trade, the small trades, the little newsletters, I was reporting my top 30 list. I think Weekly or bi-weekly, I can't forget how we did it. But then labels had me on the list and made sure I always had records. Um, my boy Farrell was literally getting yelled at because I wouldn't play none of the uh, Beanie Siegel records and some of the Hove records. I love Hove when he first came out. I love Hove when he first came out. When he first came out, I love him on the Kane records and stuff. But I really, 
I really wasn't a huge Hove fan. And I don't think Hove, honestly, we talked, if I had ever had an interview with Hove, I'm, I mean, now listen back, I definitely appreciate it. And I appreciated them. Let me not say that I appreciate them, but, you know, Hove started going that direction, right? And I was playing some Hove records. I definitely would play Hove records, but not as much as I should. And I wasn't charting them. I was charting them, but obviously certain, certain ones that was just real mainstream, I wasn't charting because that wasn't what the blueprint was. I kept, I try to keep my stuff real. My charts were real. I try not to pad it. And um, so I know Farrell was getting in trouble. He used to call me like, yo, son, man, you're killing me at this meeting. Dame is yelling. Like, what's up with your boy at Ruckus? Because, you know, Ruckus to anyone in New York is a Big Ten school. So they feel like, all right. And, and they look at the demographics. Like, yo, he's got to play our records because we want to sell to a certain demographic. And because uh, they look at the college. They, they're not even worried about New Brunswick, Plainville, and all in Essex County and all that stuff. They're looking at, okay, Ruckus got X thousand amount of students. They, they, you know, the Scarlet Knife, boom, boom. We need him playing our records. And they like shiny suits. I didn't dislike shiny suits, but that's not what Blueprint was doing. I'll, I would find a way to bring in those records and bring it back out with the most obscure underground hip hop. And that's what a lot of the artists who came down said, yo, I love the way you do that. Like, like uh, Trick of the Gambler I said that when he came. He's like, yo, I like the way you go, you bounce back and forth between that and, and you give the other MCs light, like right after a song that hot is like putting a hole on, like running, burning a hole in. But um, yeah, Farrell used to get in trouble because uh, I wasn't charting certain records. And who was over there? Who's my man over at, um, at Bad Boy? Uh, 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 he's going to kill me. Um, um, Kevin. Yeah, he, he was like, yo, man, you got to play these records, man. Why are you not playing? Why are you not playing the locks? I don't like the locks. Wow. My favorite MC, one of my favorite MCs, Jadakiss. Another favorite MC, Styles P. Another one, Sheik Luke. But in the beginning, I wasn't, I, I thought they were okay. And I like to tell that story that to me, that's the art of them seeing that they grew like fine wine, got better over time. Um, I, I you can't. JD Kiss got a record out. I'm like, oh, I got you know. I'm looking for that JD Kiss record. I'm looking for a Sheep Loops mixtape or whatever. But you know, I, in the beginning, I didn't play you know a lot of that stuff. That uh, what's that thing they had uh, with Caravan uh, with uh, with a uh, Cameron and Cardan, Senorita, uh, the horse and carriage. Oh man. If I didn't get like a thousand calls to play that record and faxes, but yo, you ain't playing anything else ain't on your charts. I'm like, I played, yo, when the blueprint, when we was doing parties, piece of my brother Skeet Dog, we used to do the blueprint parties. I played them records at the party. So I was going to say, I didn't not hate the records. It just wasn't the blueprint format at the time. And I had nothing, I had no bad feelings, shiny suit raps. Shoot, right now with the stuff I'm hearing now, I want the shiny suit raps to come back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly. So, it was not, I knew one day with Pumpkinhead, uh, my boy KL, who started Righteous Mind with me. Uh, he's on the he's on the tape in, the, in, the, in between the interludes with me. I never one time we saw Pumpkinhead, and, I, and I, Pumpkinhead had a shiny suit. But he was going somewhere. I don't think he was going to, like, to a show to run. And I said, yo, man, what's up? You, you turn a shiny suit on me? He said, I remember KL, like, yo, Pumpkinhead had that face. Like, oh, man, I sound like. But then I was one of my crazy moments, like, because he like, they had like, this burgundy joint on. And it was like mad shiny. I'm like, oh man, Punkin, you turned into a shiny shoot rapper. And he had that face <laughs> of and his punk punk head went, oh man, I saw him. That's crazy, man. <laughs> you know, just how he had that nice deep voice. Oh, that's real crazy. But um, yeah. <laughs> he was like, nah, man, you know ain't no shiny. I said, but you even got the patent leather shoes on. <laughs> ah! You got the shiny shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> 
that era, but that era in hip hop set the stage <laughs> for the gritty and grimy. Once again, yeah. we said hip hop is cyclical. So I guess your love came back when DMX blew up. I guess your love for I was, I was mad at DMX because he used a record I used from a group called Ill Reps that I shopped, I shopped to Electra. Uh, peace to my man Eric Parler. He was he was get, trying to get me in, like 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 what did you say? In like Flynn, like swimwear with Electra. When 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 uh, what's her name? Not Monica. What's what, oh, where Electra? What's got her name? She was executive PD over there. DMX came out with that get at me dog. I had used that loop. EPMD was the first one to use it, but I freaked it a little bit different with a group called Ill Reps, and we will be releasing their EP out digitally too. But I used it for them. So I was heated because I know I shopped that record to a couple labels that I knew the labels. And I know EP was trying to get me signed, but uh we as the production wise, but I that's when um Rampage and and, and um uh Bust and them had the what you call it, uh they got their deal, right? And then Ooh. Missy, Missy and um Timberland got their deal, and they only have but so many deals they could do. They signed these big right. production deals. I was on the table. Ask Eric Parley. Ask EP. Because EP was a he was promoting records, but EP was trying to go big as a music exec, which he is now. Blessing to EP. But he's like, yo, he's got signed. Don't even worry about the groups. Just keep sending me all the demos you got on dudes. And he was just checking out my beats and my versatility of production and the artists I was working with. He had the art of him singing. He heard the art of him singing. Like, yo, we got to get some of them other jokers on. Let's just start putting stuff together because he really wanted to get he wanted to get Righteous Mob signed to Electric. Wow, that's deep. That was, that was 96. That was 97, actually. That sounds like the uh, New Tribe, how New Tribe Virgin was coming for yeah. um, Govmatic and uh, for Govmatic. Govmatic. And, um, Govmatic used to come to the 88.7. Yeah. Govmatic used to come there. <laughs> Shout out to Gov. Rest in on. peace, man. I got him early on. Word is born. Diesel Don and the governor. Salute. Yeah. Salute. 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 I just about yeah. to say that. Diesel Don came through. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> wow, that's that. I just, I just got thrown off because Govmatic and Big Snuff are one of the reasons why, or two of the reasons why this platform actually exists. Because like I said, I don't think people tell our story enough. So yeah. I wanted to give respect to the Gov, Govmatic and Big Snuff. And I actually have an award show and the Govmatic Award is one of the awards that I give out. Wow. Every that's, year. That's, that's, that's big peach, man. Yeah. And like I said, not to... Um, parlay against anybody else but rest in peace to all the fallen jersey mcs who are known and unknown you know shout out yeah, to big yeah. snuff shout out to Nam Myers, shout out to chief boogie shout out to fatal hussein shout out to Duke uh, Woody, shout out to big bang hank you know what i'm saying it's so many yeah. and um we got to keep their memories alive it's, mu- it's many more and i'm sorry i don't know all their names for this interview, yeah 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 you yeah, know but yeah like i said so to the hip-hop today is, is sonically driven and lyrically bashed. People say they like lyrics, but people are not spending money on lyrics. What do you think is the salvation of hip hop today? Is it the music or is the people who try to keep the culture alive? I think it's us trying to keep it alive because I think we're trying to uh, expose what was what was before, but not. But you know, we just got to figure out how we could do it in harmony, so that you know, I don't think the the ones who are making the music right now. And I said this one time before when when this stuff was. You know, 10, 15 years ago, when people were saying, yo, I think this stuff is going for a bad turn. I said, well, listen, it's the DJs and the producer and the executive producer or label's fault. You got a young artist, like, just think about it. If you're 20 years old right now, you were born in 2002. <laughs> you didn't hear music until maybe about five years old. So let's, 
So let's even go back like 10 years ago and I said the same thing. I said, when this artist comes to the studio and you um and they're working with them and they're doing what they're doing, that's your time to educate them. And as a producer, shape, you know, we gotta do what we did, you know, elevate it, but you don't have to chase the money because this guy says so. The guy who wasn't part of the culture and didn't understand the culture in, in the first place. So I feel a lot of it shame on us. Um, and then the DJs that, you know, had a, and everyone had to have a business agenda. I'm not, I'm not negating uh, this, but the, a lot of the DJs who, you know, definitely like that oh, sound, you know, you know, had obligations and had, and had aspirations to buy, you know, a certain type of house to provide a certain type of living for their family. And I don't hold none of that stuff against anybody, but that, itself helped perpetuate a certain style of music because that's what was the where the money that's where the song that's usually that's where the bag was going that's where the bag was going so we always chasing the bag and we and we like you said we're hustlers we, we make our own lane we carve out our own thing and make our own situation and, and that's what they was doing and the bag was good i mean you know i mean i ain't getting none of those bags you know what I'm saying maybe i would have placed <laughs> nah <laughs> but uh like yeah you know the the bags you know was good back then so you're gonna do what you had to do and I'm not, and I, and I like the Godfather said, I, I don't get into telling people what they did, what they do is right or wrong. You have to do what works for your family. But, you know, because I, I think I'm a purist of the culture and I really love the culture, I think even with sometimes my ties, figure I want to sway that way, it just don't really work out or don't go that way. So that, that shows me that, you know, I, I you know, I got to be the real rebel that I am, you know, and just and, and do what I could do. And that's another uh, layer of why I'm putting back out the art of the saying is to let these young, young heads know, like, this is what we did. And it's funny because when they, some of the young heads, we're like, yeah, this is nice. So people should rock like that. I remember maybe eight years ago or nine years ago, the radio station, and I don't want to say his name, uh, brother I had there was helping. He wanted to learn radio, was co-hosting with me. I played a bunch of Master A songs. He's like, yo, man. So this is got to be like 2012 or 11 or something. Yo, this dude, Master Ace is nice. Yo, he should he should make a record. Are these just, are these just like, like, like demos he got? He should. And he, and this is, he was a brother. And I'm like, hold up, you don't know who Master Ace is? I said, nah, but he's nice, yo. I, I need to get some more stuff. I said, yo, go get Molly Mar in control album number one. <laughs> then get take a look around. Then get uh uh uh, uh you know uh what's the Jeep ass? What's, what's what's this? What's the second one? Um uh uh what's it? Um, what's the slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse, yeah. Slaughterhouse. Go get those. Start with there. After you're done with that. I'm gonna just make a folder of there's a bunch of you know Master Ace joints and collabs. What are you talking about? Like, yo, Master Ace is he's nice. Like you, you didn't know who Master Ace was. And I had to think about it, what his age was, and I minus it and boom, boom, boom. I said, okay, you know, Ace wasn't on major radio. He wasn't on, he might have been on Napster, but that kid wasn't checking for Master Ace on Napster. Was it his biggest album record, Jazz Man? Who I don't know. I Ma- main, mainstream Master Ace. It was Jazz Man. It was Jeep Ass Nigga. Good. Yeah, it was yeah, Jeep thought- Ass Nigga. And it was um, Born to Roll. That's the three songs I think of mainstream Master Ace when I think of Master and, Ace. And, and no disrespect to those records because the, the Born to Roll and the uh, Jeep Ass Nigga um, um, joint they play is the remix. You cannot judge that man by those three songs. Facts because disposable arts is crazy. Yeah, you cannot. You cannot judge him. If your only knowledge of Master Ace is those three songs, then you, you, you have the wrong picture of Master Ace. I'm to glad me, you are, said that. Not to good. me, those are other things he did, but that will not define Master Ace to me. I'm pushing the time right now. 
I know, I know. Can I give you one more jump? Good, good, Let's go. So, so Righteous Ma had an office. Uh, we shared the same office as um. So how did how did uh Artem Singh got around and got circulating? We obviously pushed them out the tapes, taking the malls. You know, Gallery Mall. Uh, going to North Jersey to the Jersey. No, Jersey Garden wasn't out. Was Jersey Garden Mall out? I went only to Jersey Garden Mall. I forgot what mall we was going up North Jersey. We would go to anything in New York. Uh, and we went down south. We tried to do some things here and there, but mainly New Jersey, Philly. We pushing the tapes out the. I'm not even gonna say trunk out the backpack, and going to any hip hop shop and trying to get them stocked in there. My man who handled the business, Darius, my man D, was getting them into shops. But we were in the same office with Echo Unlimited. So Echo, we share office space with them. Um, my boombox was in a picture of a, it was in a, was in an Echo picture, like it was a. Uh, it was, they, they asked to use my record, my, my boombox one time in a, uh, in, a, in a photo shoot. But we became cool people. And I remember Marcy, that's uh, Mark's sister. They're twins. That's where the name Echo comes from. Um, her and uh, my boy Brave and Jay, who still does stuff with me now, they were all, they all had heard the art of seeing some other tapes we did. And they're like, yo, they hadn't did anything with Lyricist Lounge in years, right? So they're like, yo, I mean, since you got the tape out, there's no way we could add it to the shirts, but we're, we're shipping shirts every day. Like, you know, we ship in 20, 30 boxes to different retail outlets, you know, to people ordering Echo wear. Can we buy tapes and put it in there so we can get you guys music out there? Man, I was going home dubbing tapes on a double cassette recorder. My mom's double cassette recorder, my double cassette recorder, my boy's double cassette recorder. So like every day we go to work, like, yo, I need, I need like 10 more tapes. I need 20 more tapes because uh, this store in, uh, Utah order some. This one over in, in Nevada order one. This one over there in Seattle order. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, we sent the. Cause first I gave them like 20, and they used those as they put it in the box, and they gave me money for it. They said, here, this is this is your work, so we'll give you money for that. I'm like, what? <laughs> then they sent it out, and then as you know, they're like, oh, we need 10 for the Utah store. We need 10 for that, and that's how I think the Arnold City got had spread his rain, wings is because of Echo Unlimited. So I want to say peace to Echo for doing that. Uh, for you know, for doing that for us. Well, that's not really something that you had to put in there. I was going to ask those questions anyway. So <laughs> that's what's up. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate that. But here's something that I want to know. With the technology that is out today, what is the future of your – where's your role going? And is 88.7 going with you, or are you branching off to do other things? Keeping 88.7, and we're going to branch off to do other things. So, like, uh, so my role is expose – so I look back to my whole childhood and what I do, whether it be comic book characters, a new TV show, a new movie or rappers or MCs or DJ producers. I was that guy that, like you said, come to school and always had it. Like I had the newest song that you couldn't find or the newest comic book or whatever. So it seemed like what I seemed like my role is to always tap into that creative flow, the energy around us and get the other like raw talent out there and exposed. So what I, looking to continue to do was with the blueprint as far as exposing MCs. Uh, additionally, what we're looking to do, what we started doing, we uh, started a new um, project called Hero Network TV. And we started a podcast, but we're going to go back to that. Uh, but we also, during the pandemic, did a thing called The Daily Hero. Every day, we gave you comic book news while you're in the pandemic, keeping you fresh. And then I'm doing to that what I did to hip hop. So all the Black and Latino comic book creators and artists who are pressing up their own magazine. I'm exposing no disrespect to Marvel and DC. They had a lane. They had a lane for a long time. I'm still talking All disrespect to Marvel and DC. No. All disrespect to Marvel and DC. No. No. We want to <laughs> count. We want to... No disrespect. 
to the people who love the books and the art, disrespect to the storytelling because it's garbage. You may continue. All right. So <laughs> along with us breaking news on new DC and Marvel stuff, we do talk about the independent guys. We're trying to push uh, a, lame, a, a, a comic book company owned by my man up in, uh, I always want to get his, he's not in Connecticut. He's in, he's in Massachusetts. It's called Constant Hustle. Uh, Lawrence. Shout out to Constant Lawrence. Hustle Comics. Those are my yep. peoples. Oh, you know Constant Hustle? Yeah, Lawrence. That's my. That's we we interviewed we interviewed a couple of his uh, artists uh, on our on our. Uh, so we had this guy named Vega that was doing a show. So we we was playing around with different shows during the pandemic. So now we regroup and we're gonna come back up the podcast. So that's one thing uh, we're doing. Uh, me and Cy Marshall Law maybe doing a show together about comic books. Uh, the other thing we got going on is uh, the eighty eight point seven. We're gonna keep that moving. Um, yeah, I want to keep so and then myself, I want to put out all the music that didn't really get to reach the heights that we did in Righteous Mob out digitally and then start bringing out this new stuff and start working with some of the artists that I always would love to work with. So it's more like a love for it versus a, a, a monetary thing about it. Because look, look, what monetary value can you put to music now as far as the unit price? You know, what I'm saying right now it's so disposable where anyone could get it, listen to free. So I'd rather put out the experience. And let you, like you said, love the artists or whatever artists you that came that, that I expose or I work with, whatever they got going on, you become a fan of them. And then, you know, you have to get their merchandise or whatever from them to help them eat. Then that then I feel I did my job. But just expose them is, is my first goal because there's a lot of good music out there. It's like there's a lot of good artwork in the comic book world. There's a lot of good, you know, everything, you know. And I think a curator of the, the music the underground music scene and in the music scene is what, you know, I think that's my role. That's my role. Like as far as exposing and working with these artists and working with these people, you know, musically or just exposing the music they already have created. And that's what's up. See everybody listening. Hip hop is not about bobbing your head. It's also about relationships and building relationships, not only within the people in the community, but with the culture itself. So you know what's going yeah. on. So please give everybody your social media so they know how to find you and everything that you talked about so they can support you. All right. So we got to keep that up moving to uh, Asan the Golden Child is A-H-S-A-N the Golden Child. Once again, it's A-H-S-A-N the Golden Child. That's the that's my Instagram Um, on uh. Facebook is Asan the Golden. Uh, Twitter, my Twitter got hacked, and somehow I lost all my followers and whatever. But I got it. I got the account back, so I was able to save the name. But I'm like, I'm not following it, and no one's really following me. But I got to build that back up again, and that's Asan the Golden too, because you can't. The, Twitter had a thing we had that you couldn't do, but so many letters, so it's Asan the Golden. Um, so yeah, and then we have the we have a, a Instagram page we did an art of him seeing. But on the tape, we spell M C and E M C E I N G. But for now, we do we do the M C I N G. So it's art of M C because uh, later on, uh, after we did the uh, initial tape, maybe going to early two thousands for for a year or two, we was uh, doing an art of M C showcase at the Court Tavern in New Brunswick uh, every month. So you know, and that's where we put the artist right on stage. Forget forget the mixtape. Just come on down, three five dollars get in. Not expensive, and, and and come listen to these artists live. You know, so like I, I I just love I just love art, man. I just love art in all fashion, you know. And I actually draw myself, so I love I love art, music, and art, man. Just a creative person. Man. Well, this was a treat for me. 
because after this interview is over, we're going to build. And most importantly, I thank everybody for paying attention to following this episode. But guess what? That's only part one. Interview's not over yet. Now we got to put, put him in the hot seat. You ready to play? What's that? All right. All right. So now we're going to do the rapid fire questions. The rapid fire questions oh, are man. not yes, no questions. These are questions designed to show the depth of knowledge you have of yourself, the industry, and the art and craft of hip hop. You ready to go? Yeah. What song or album from an artist perfectly describes you? Oh, man, uh, brother, uh, I got to say, the soundtrack that's in my head anytime I do Excursion is the Try First album. Oh, really? Yeah. That's my Excursion record. I love to ride in the car by myself, and the vibe of that album is me. Like, the first Tribe album and, and okay. the first Daylight album. There, there you go. Okay, and Daylight, okay. Yeah. Question number two, what is the perfect hip-hop beat? Meaning, if the artist never came out with it, it would have been your beat. Your drum first. beat or drum beat or take it where you want to take it. How you interpret it? That guy produced it, or what's the perfect beat? If that person didn't have it, it would have been your first singles beat. Oh, short ones. The the, the part, part two. two. Okay. <laughs> part two. <laughs> okay. No doubt. Hip hop is whoa, known. And whoa, oh, and whoa. whoa, Black Rock? Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Hip-hop is broken down in eras. What was the perfect era of hip-hop in your mind? And who made it pop for you? Ooh. You can't forget your roots. So the 80s is definitely, I love the 80s, the whole Wild Style era, Busy B, all the people you named. But yeah, the 90 Decca, I mean, hands down, the 90 Decca was, was the ill era. Like it was the, I think it was like the, it, it, it was like the growth, everything come together. So I'd say like between that 92, 94, maybe 91 to 94, ever that 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 little pocket there. And, and, like who, the, and who made it come alive to you? Native Tongue, Brand Nubians, Grand Puba, definitely. Well, let me just say Brand Nubians, Native Tongue. Um, I, I don't want to forget somebody. When I say Native Tongue, I'm just putting them all in there. You know, tribe, jungle, de la, black sheep. Uh, oh, I can't forget Q. Can't forget Q. Uh, America's most wanted. Um, Souls of Mischief. I love Hyrule. I love Hyrule. Piece of Opio A plus. Yeah. Now all forty three of them. That's <laughs> the biggest crew in hip hop history. Like. Yeah. Them and Wu-Tang, it's too many of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All them all, like, yeah. And, and right. honorable mention, honorable mention Wu-Tang and, and, and Ducktown. I think okay. they helped shape that. I hope they show, they definitely shape that era. Especially, Wu, you never, you never went to 93? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Winter 93 is when Protect the Neck and um, all that it's stuff dropped. Day. Yeah. That, that's, that's when the gritty, like, the street element everybody talk about, that's when yeah. that. Okay. So let's talk about hip-hop myths. I'm gonna bring up three artists, <laughs> and I want you and I want you to tell me what what made their myth as big as it is. Okay. Yeah. Three artists only. Big L. Shoot, ain't no myth with him. That dude is nasty with the lyrics. No, there, there's myths because remember how you said people like the guy didn't hear of Master Ace. Yeah. I remember when 
what was the um what was the name of the Big L album that that post uh, posthumous one? It had I Platinum Plus on it. I forgot the yeah. name of it, right? I think it might be Platinum Plus. That he had a song with Big Daddy Kane called yeah. Platinum Plus. <laughs> on, when that album came out, if you didn't know of Big L, you didn't know. But when people heard it, they wanted to go back and find Big L. And even yeah. today on YouTube, there's people like King Guap, who's like, I never knew Big L. He's my favorite rapper of all time. And uh -huh. they build from there. So there is a myth to Big L. We know he was nice because we were there. But what, yeah. what, what do you think is the myth of Big L? Like, what story is there that people, you think people just don't really get because they didn't live in that era? Like, so myth is something that's not real, right? Not necessarily. Like, mythology is, is, is a story, it's a tale, telling you of something. So I'm not, I'm trying to figure out, I don't know of a myth of Big L. Like, Big L is nice, man. Like, he, he you know, um, I think I think he holds to whatever myth there is about him. I think he holds to it. I think, I think you know he he can hold a candle to anything you can say about him. He I had agree. the hustler side of him. He had the lyric side of him. He had the business side of him. I mean, he was cool people. Another golden child story. I was supposed to do a record with him before he uh, passed away. His untimely death. My man who's down Wu Tang that got me into the New York Radio Coalition. So my beats to Big L and Big L or somebody else who was in this camp, and he was like, "Yo, bring your boy up to Harlem." I said, we're not going to go to the office in the daytime. And now I come around 8, 9 o'clock at night. I forgot which street we had to go to. But uh, he kept, we kept missing him. He kept missing him. But he wanted, right. to, he wanted to go out to a golden child beat. That's my word is born. Big L, rest in peace. Yeah. But I don't it's, know. I mean, you tell me. I don't know what There's many like, stories about Big L, like how Nas, didn't, Nas was scared to rock with him or how... Um, Jay was going to sign him or the children of the corn stories. Like it's a lot of stories of big L, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I mean, like I said, rest in peace, big L, because big L is one of the greatest of all time for those who love underground hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Here's he the second one. Well. Oh yeah, definitely. Here's the second one. The yeah. impact of the grave diggers. <laughs> the myth on that. Uh, Horrorcore is not was not the newest thing, not the biggest thing. This Russell had enough money to make you believe that. And there you go. People didn't know the grave diggers were shot before into the Wu Tang. Hey, think about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Third one, Sean Price. Another big L type thing, man. I I, I don't know nothing to miss. If, if there was any, I, I believe the stories I heard about him. I mean, this dude like us, loved hip-hop. It's amazing that there's so many records that haven't come out yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's he amazing. Stayed he stayed recording like pop. Exactly. I was going to say that. And, and here's something about that I wanted to say, even though it's just rapid fire, this is just dope conversation. Um, You said how you like the locks now because you got to grow with them. Hip hop today is not about established artists. It's about finding someone you can relate to and growing with them. Look at how we grew with Sean Price when he was Rook. And he said yeah. himself he wasn't the best one in his group to being an established solo artist that, that started an underground movement that started a whole nother lane that people didn't have the balls to go into at one time. Shout out to Rook Down because that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, like shout that. out to Illa G. Shout out to um. Oh, he said Illa G. God. Yeah, that's my guy, yo. I'm an Illa G fan. Um, wow. Sway cigarettes. <laughs> that's my guy. Wow. Um, shout out to um, 
What's my man? Um, the villains, the villains, Rim. That's my guy, Rim the villain. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Rockdown was oh Rusty Jux, my guy. Woo! Yeah, so those are like, those are people I, I respect. You know, that we, we, he was always supposed to come to the show, it just never happened. Rusty uh, Jux was supposed to come to the blueprint, it just never happened. Okay. Well, let's continue, let's continue on with the rapid fire. All right. The female voice is very prevalent in hip hop, but it's been shunned because egos have always wanted to keep the women in the back. But now the women are in the forefront. What uh -huh. women were game changers or are game changers in hip hop that the world needs to know or recognize? MC Light. MC Light. That's it? Oh, okay. MC Light. Uh, definitely um, uh, Lauren. Uh, who was uh, uh, Jean Grey, who I mentioned before. Um, oh, Pony B, Fly MC, Pony B. Bahamadia, very slept on. I think Bahamadia could work now on a mature, a mature adult hip hop level. Let's let's let's, let's make a Bahamadia record. Get that out there. Get that circulating. I think it would be ill right now. You put it out there. What's up? <laughs> um, what other females I know? Uh. I found Ty Phoenix to be one of the best females that okay. uh, people don't talk about enough. What do you think? Okay. She's nice. She's nice. I don't know enough of her material, but I, you know, on the internet, I've seen some stuff. She's nice. She's definitely nice. Ty Phoenix, winner of the Heritage Hip Hop Project of the Year Award for Valedictorian. Go check that out. Okay. Just, you know, just going shameless plug. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you made, okay, okay. Here's the next question I have to ask you. This is a question that I think is real serious. And it comes to um what hip hop is and what hip hop is not. Um, hip hop has become the gauge of the community to the point where hip hop is being used to destroy the community. What is the voice that you want to hear come out of hip hop that's not being said enough, not only to represent the people but save the culture itself? We're not taking it anymore. We're not taking it anymore. We're taking back what's ours. I think that's playing, that's cut and dry simple right there. <laughs> All right. If you had to define hip hop as a place, what part of the world is hip hop to you? Like what represents hip hop the best to you? Um, Jersey and Manhattan. Why Jersey and Manhattan? That's really deep. Talk to me. Um, so as a young young kid, I was able to, you know, my mom didn't have no problem with me going to Delancey Street and stuff like that when I was a young kid going there. And like I said, even earlier when I would go to plays with, with my mom and stuff like that, we would go over to Mr. Walt Music Factory. That's where I bought a lot of my records. That's where I got that uh the Master Ceremony record, the Master Ceremony record with Grand Puba and uh Don Barron. You know, I got records like that from there. Um so I would do a lot of record shopping at Music Factory. Plus, you know, I would go to the Lancy Street, get all my gear, you know, and it was just the whole idea of going, we used to just call it going over the way. So it's really Jersey to me. And then like the DJs that were around me were the DJ Cheese, the Jaywalks, and those type of DJs, the, the cool Vs and stuff like that. So it's very New Jersey-ish. And then, you know, that's where I first saw a, a live DJ at one of my mother's cookouts. And I said, I want to do that. So, you know, you know, kid, you're impressionable by your first thing you see it. So DJing to me was very Jersey. -ish. Um, even though I know Flash was out there doing, because before my father passed away, he was trying to get me 1200s. 
and he wanted me to get the 1200s because that's what Flashdom had. And, um, and uh, so to me, it's because I'm from Jersey, but I was always in Manhattan. I always went in Manhattan. Uptown, salute. Yeah. All right. So I think I'm going to finish off with about four more questions, then we're going to fade off, all right? Okay. The new era of hip-hop is Versus. I don't really like Versus myself. I really don't. I think it's I think it's trying to... It went from who had the best playlist and now who has the best performance. And the performance actually made it better, but it's still not really... Shout out to Versus. It, it actually it made the, it, it got us through the pandemic. But here's my question for you. Being that you're a lover of hip-hop, what two artists could do a versus that would sum up your whole love of hip hop? Nave Tongue against Hyrule. That would be because versus ain't really hip hop. It's some just 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 celebrate celebration shit. Yeah. It's not gonna do it, but that would be awesome though. Yeah. That would that would Q Tip solo, Jay Dilla, Native Tongues. Daylight on them with Souls of Mischief, Domino, Casual, A plus. We talking some serious stuff right now. Yeah, I think that would make a great, a great versus. Native Tongue and Hyrule. Damn, who taking Moni Love out though? <laughs> <laughs> That's what all I want to know. Who's gonna, who's gonna battle? Oh, you, oh, Native Tongues with Common in it or the original Native Tongues? I think the original. Ah, uh, cause yeah. You throw common, you got the most death in there. So I mean, I mean, you could, you could, you could put them in there. But I, I'm talking about native. I'm talking about jungle, De La, a tribe, uh, maybe even a Charlie. He still didn't say Moni Love or Queen Latifah. Oh, Moni Love is part of part of stuff. Queen Latifah and Moni Love, absolutely. Buddy is like they could do Buddy all night long. <laughs> I still don't know one on the De La album, not the not the souped up. Other version, even that was that was hot too. I'm talking about who, the original version that was on the uh, Daylight album. Who's taking Money Love out? You still ain't answering my question. <laughs> like, who's taking who, her out? Who from the high row? Who from the high row is going to stand up against Money Love? I mean, Dale, let's just say Dell. <laughs> wow, you gonna go that? Okay, okay, that's dope. That's dope. Question number three. I'm gonna give you a throwaway question. How did you like being on Heritage Hip Hop, or would you recommend us to anybody else in hip hop looking to? Oh, do I it? love it. It's a great conversation. Um, a good, you know, good, good uh, uh, a ride through hip hop and time. Um, I definitely, if you want to learn about hip hop and the heritage of it, this is the place to be. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Second to last question: Where did hip hop go or grow that surprised you? And it inspired you to keep doing hip hop. Um, where did it go? I think it was the whole production era. I mean, when, when hip hop finally started growing with more samples and the whole idea of chopping up samples and blending samples and doing different things with samples instead of just taking one sample and a drum beat or a sample drum beat and a keyboard, but just really trying to like, you know, make a something new out of something old and, and the more creative you could get. I think that really, it was like, it was almost like playing a bit. I guess to me, it would be equivalent to how kids are into video games now. Not saying we weren't into video games back then ourselves, but you know how, like, you know, every kid is like really into video games. That's how I was into making beats. Like, I had every day I had to go home and make a beat. Every day I had to make a beat. 
it, like just like how my kids, they got to play video games all the time. I had to make it be. I had to, I had to look through records. I had to go bee hunting. I had to do it. It was like something I had to do. It was almost like an intoxication. It was because you're hearing all these different producers coming from all parts of the country and all different, um, you know, their, their uh, version of hip hop. And it, it just felt fun. It felt like, oh, that's hot. I want to do something. You know what I'm saying? I want to do something like that or whatever. You know, it made it not challenging, but made it inspirational. Bonus question. Because now you didn't put your foot in your mouth. Now I got you. Who's the god of hip hop? James Brown or Bob James and why? Woo! I sampled a lot of Bob James in my time, but, you know, I don't use James Brown's record because, you know, Marley really did his thing in the 80s hip hop, really did his thing. But, wow. Uh, I want to say that, um, I want to say that uh, um, James Brown definitely with the, the drum beats, but I think the dynamic range of the Bob James, you know, because Bob James, um, he 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 cultivated all these artists. Like you know, Herbie Hancock played on some, I think some of his records, if I'm not mistaken. So he put a lot of good people together, and I mean, I mean, a lot of his stuff. This this gems on there that still haven't been used on a lot of his records, but it's, I mean, there's a lot out there. I mean, I think there's more stuff you could grab from Bob James that's very obscure and dope versus maybe James Brown, but nothing, nothing can, uh, I mean, I think the James Brown beats had his time where I think right now, if you dig into a Bob James record, you can still find something that would fit today, whether it be R&B, hip hop, alternative type of hip hop, alternative R&B. There's so many possibilities with a lot of his, with a lot of his records. There's a lot of possibilities. I mean, you could, you could take some of the stuff and do like a score for a movie and, and, and do something weird and crazy with a Bob James record. Salute. Yeah. Hey, so everybody out there, if you don't know who Bob James is, go do your homework. You know what I'm saying? We come to the end of this episode of the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Asana Golden Child, one more time because hip hop is not in a time machine. Hip hop is right now and it's living. So, infinite now. So whatever you land on that timeline, it's a great it's a great experience to go to the past and also look forward to the future because hip hop is ever evolving just like your life. So we've come to the last question. I want to thank my guest once again. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Thank you for having me on. Bro, you, on. you inspired me tonight. And I'm, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very grateful. And I want to tell you about that afterwards. But okay. I'm not bougie. I have an open door policy. If you ever want to come back to Heritage Hip Hop, the door is open. And I would, I would love to have you back on. All right? All right. Definitely. definitely. But the most important question I'm going to ask for the first interview is this. <laughs> 500 years from now in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame, they're going to see your name and somebody's going to say, who the hell is that? And they're going to push your red button on the wall and your hologram is going to pop out and people are going to see the accolades of music, radio, comic books, podcasting. The most important question I ask you for the first interview is this. What is the legacy you left behind that made the world better because you lived and did hip hop? Um, uh, at this point in my stage, I want to know as uh, being a renaissance, bringing back the good of, of every culture, every every art form and being a renaissance man, you know, something like, you know, and, 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 and a person that exposes, like, I think for some reason, I'm, I'm always attracting C's, even if I don't, even if we didn't even know each other, for some reason, I'm in a spot where an MC and we are getting connected because I think my whole love for the, the art of him saying, the art of lyrics, that I attract that. And I think it's genuine because to this day, I still always 
in my inbox or I might somebody in the family or some friend might say, oh, I need you to check out my cousin. I need you to check. And the person is always dope. I, I never get exposed to somebody who's not, who's mediocre. So I want to, you know, this is the guy, out, the Professor X of hip hop. <laughs> the man is a movement. Okay. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I put I put on I put on Cerebro, and I'm like, <laughs> that's dope. I like that. I like that answer. So, there ladies, X of hip hop. I thank you for helping me get that out. Hey, man, coin it, co-sign it, do what you got to do. Make it, make it a new <laughs> shirt. So I want to buy a shirt from you as well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Word, that'd be dope, right? With, with my head doing like this, with my head in dreads. Right, like a silhouette and a bunch of MCs around. <laughs> yeah, you do comic like books. Do it. Make it a poster. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do that. That would be dope. <laughs> so to close out, ladies and gentlemen, make sure what you do not only inspires but you keep inspired. So the legacy of hip hop is not that it's beats and rhymes. The legacy of hip hop is that it's God's spirit, and God put His spirit in us to be creative. So when people try to take away the things that made us special, we found something that we had. It took something from the old and made it new. And that newness not only brought out our ingenuity, our our gratitude to the spirit, but in our creativity to make beats, rhymes, lifestyles, industries, and now metaverses based on the mind and the appreciation of the spirit of creativity the Most High gave us. Make sure whatever you do is an inspiration because as his inspiration said, let there be light, our inspiration says, let there be life and life continue to flow from our creativity and ingenuity. This is Karev, a heritage hip hop with Assam, the golden child. And we say peace. Salute. And we out. All right. <laughs> One love. Documenting New Jersey's hip hop story is one of the main purposes of Heritage Hip Hop because we always hear about New York, California, and even now the South. And it seems like the people who've contributed to hip hop from New Jersey either get swallowed up in the New York story or is not talked about at all. And Asan, the golden child, is a person who we all need to salute and cement in our minds as somebody who has held the flag for hip-hop up high when it comes to not only the culture but the garden state so make sure you support him by following his social media check out the art of mcing 30th anniversary mixtape that's out on audio mac and get his merch this man's working hard to represent us and the culture as a whole with its best intentions included in his goals. So I sign the golden child, you are saluted by Heritage Hip Hop, and thank you once again for the interview. This interview is brought to you by HeritageHipHop.com, the independent artist home. We are the 30 for 30 for independent artists and independent music, and we crown the industry vets who've laid down the foundation for the music and culture that we love. Follow Heritage Hip Hop at heritagehiphop.com. Become a member for exclusive merch, playlists, music interviews, and more. We are on all social media, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Heritage Hip Hop is there at Heritage Hip Hop. I believe on TikTok it's Heritage Hip Hop 945, but we'll, we'll clear that up. Most importantly, 
stay tuned for more shows, more interviews, and more greatness. I want to give a shout out to MJ's Hip Hop Connects for the interview. Salute to you, MJ. You are the realest, and we support and love you. Shout out to the Fleet DJs. Shout out to the Heat DJs. And shout out to the Goodfellas family. Make sure you support by subscribing to the recap with the Goodfellas. The bad guys are in the building, and we make a lot of noise. The Heritage Hip Hop Awards is coming up. We're six months into the year. Check out Heritage Hip Hop for our six-month uh, acknowledgments to know who got the hottest music out right now. The Heritage Hip Hop Awards is August 27th. Look forward to that. Check out the Black Love playlist on HeritageHipHop.com or leave a comment. Let us know how you like the playlist. We want feedback. So please, if you subscribe to the YouTube, hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, and the like button. And leave comments. If you're streaming the podcast audio-wise, make sure you give us a five-star review wherever you, you stream that podcast. Before we get out of here, we like to say... Be safe, be careful, and take care of yourself because the Most High made no mistakes with you and you are great. We made you to be a light for the world, so make sure you shine your light and don't get stingy with your talents because the wicked servant was the one that did not use his talents. Come back to Heritage Hip Hop, but let's celebrate those who use their talents for good and to educate and entertain the world. With that being said, this is Karev Heritage Hip Hop saying thank you for listening. Peace, and we out.